It's all about stories, and I want to hear all of yours. Your insert in the bulletin has three lines, and I'd like you to write on the first line, stories are powerful. Would you please do that? Stories are powerful. And you know, we are blessed in this church to have a pastor who is a, an excellent storyteller. Ron loves history uh, because of the story that's there that we can learn from. I have a slide of you and Dee um, when you were <laughs> dressed up as Martin Luther. You would go to any lengths, right, to, to, to tell a story about a man who saw big problems in the church and in the power of the Holy Spirit moved toward solutions, an amazing story that we can all learn from. Stories teach us. Uh, stories entertain us. Yeah, yeah, you can take that off. Um, <laughs> and uh, have you heard about the monastery that's outside Reno, Nevada? The monks uh, got a good idea that, that they should go to the casinos and beg for poker chips cash them in, and use them to support their ministry. They came to be known as the chipmunks. And <laughs> There's not a bit of truth in that at all. But stories can make us laugh, and stories can really challenge us. I, I want to tell you a, a true story that something I'll never forget when I went to Santa Fe, New Mexico to visit my own mother's best friend, Moselle Richardson. She's famous. She's written a few books, and she was in the Guinness Book of World Records for a long time as the oldest college graduate. She got her degree in journalism from University of Oklahoma when she was 90 years old. She's 103 now and still kicking and still loving me like her own, very own son. Her daughter, Judy, uh, was a, my childhood friend and still is a very close friend of mine. I had taken a bus from Phoenix, Arizona, up to Santa Fe for a short visit with my mom, Moselle. But the bus back to Phoenix left at 5 o'clock in the morning. So it was still dark and bitterly cold that New Mexico winter. Santa Fe is a little higher up in the mountains. So Judy drove me down to the bus stop in her nice warm SUV. We parked on one side of an empty parking lot and sat there chatting for just a few minutes before I had to go into the chilly bus station. Judy spied a man leaning against the outside wall of the bus station with his hat pulled down over his eyes, smoking a cigarette and shivering in the cold. So my friend turned to me and she said, Jay, go ask that cowboy if he would like to come and sit in our warm car for a few minutes, if he's wait, waiting for the same bus you are. So I asked her, do you know him? <laughs> she said, no, but I know two things. We're nice and warm over here, and he's freezing his butt off over there. So go talk to him. Talk about walking across the room, walking across that frozen parking lot 
and hesitantly, not really knowing what to expect from strangers. There's a degree of anxiety in this walk across the room. But you know, that clean-cut, good-looking young man looks a lot safer to me than that cowboy did in Santa Fe that morning. And I went up and I said, sir? I was just, from the cold, I was just stuttering. No, no, I was, I was nervous. I, I said, uh, come sit with us in the car and wait, wait over here. It's nice and warm in there. And uh, he just shook his head and said, got to go. And he wandered off. To my great relief, <laughs> I, I kind of wanted him to come. But the, the story's important. It's important to me because it shows us two things. We had something to offer. The comfort and warmth of that SUV, and he had a perceived need. We could perceive it. it. It was just so obvious that he was out there in the dark and cold. His need and our resources. Isn't really that what this is all about? About walking across the room, making a friend, learning our new friend's story, sharing perhaps our story with our friend, Yes, stories are extremely powerful. Line two, my story is powerful. Uh, my, meaning yours and mine. My story is powerful. And this morning, my, my goal is to coach and help us all in telling our own story in a simple, short and uh, meaningful, personal, personal way. So I did my homework and I wrote in 100 words my faith story. You want to hear it? Okay. 95 words. That, though, what I just said doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> I was so desperate in high school Tried like crazy to be popular and accepted. My dad was a politician, extremely hard to please. If God even existed, he was probably pissed off. <laughs> then I met Jesus. Reed, a retired Navy officer, introduced us. Jesus loved me in spite of everything. He died to forgive my sinful selfishness. Reed and Jesus didn't judge me. They loved me as I was. Since I met Jesus at age 16, I've grown confident in his unconditional love. Now I live to share his grace with everybody around me. Just tried to keep it simple and real in those 95 words. There's a before and an after in our stories. Before I met Jesus, I would wear anything, say anything, do anything to be accepted and, and appreciated. And since I've gotten to know him, I have my security and I have his un unconditional love and I'm safe from always trying to please 
everybody. But how was my 95-word story? Was it really good? Tell me. It was, no, no, I don't need that. No, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> it's just enough to be able to get up here and share. But it doesn't even take 95 words to give a before and after. Here's a story from the Bible. Tim, let's see if this clicker works this morning. Here's a story from the Bible, John chapter 9, about a man that was born blind. Let me just, I, I left out some of the story, but I want to get to the punchline. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? In the first century, they wanted to always connect disabilities with some kind of blame and, and fault. Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. Isn't it a, a miracle when a disability can display God's mighty works? That happens. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. It's the only instance I can think of where Jesus used medicine, a substance, to apply to the man's eyes. We, we shouldn't hesitate to use medicine, which God has given to us through, through people for our health's sake. Uh, Jesus said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went away and washed. When he returned, he could see. He wanted to find Jesus, of course, to thank him. But in the meantime, he got into conflict and arguments with the religious leaders. Well, who healed you? How do you, how do you know he's from God? He's just a sinner like the rest of us. Where is he from? Well, I've skipped out over that part because I want to get to this. The enemies of Jesus called the man a second time. They called for the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. The man answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner. See, you don't, we don't need to know everything about Jesus. But we need to know the before and after of our own relationship with him. I don't know whether he's a sinner. Here's what I do know. I was blind and now I see. That's before and after. That's seven words. I use 95, the blind man used seven. I was blind and now I see. Would you repeat it with me? Go. I was blind and now I see. So what we want to do is, is help with your before and after and then build a few sentences and build your own story around what difference Jesus has made in your life. You go and you start a new friendship. You listen and respect the other person's life story and show genuine interest in that other person. God will open up an opportunity for you to share about your life story and to include your friendship with Jesus and how your life has changed. But how are you going to do your faith story in 100 words, in one, in one paragraph? 
do it like this. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about this part. This is really good. Um, there are some testimonies on page 128 of the book we're all reading. And one is by a woman. I'll call her Beverly. And this is what she says about her before and after. Just one more example that can help us with our own stories. Ladies, would you please read, For Years I Felt Empty. Ready? Ladies, go. For years I felt empty. I had a hole in my One day... How would you express her before? Maybe with the word empty. I, I was empty. How, how would you in all simplicity express her after? Jesus, empty, filled. Empty, filled. Jesus, filled me. Men, I want to give you a chance to do the same thing. Uh, would all the men please read starting now? I used to go. I love it. Before, pressured out. Afterward, my sufficiency is in Jesus. It's so simple. But it takes a few more sentences just to get the before and after story across. Let's practice with filling in blanks, before and after, okay? I'll give you a before. Striving, you give me an after. Anybody, come on. Succeeding. Trusting, resting, resting, okay, good. We probably won't hit on the word that's up there, but grateful for what I have rather than striving for more. How That works, right? Number two, self-destructive after would be what? Before I was self-destructive. Peaceful, thank you. Healthy, peaceful, satisfied. Guilty, what? Liberated by his forgiveness. Fear-stricken, brave or confident. Despairing leads to the after of, of course, yeah, hopeful. How would you fill in? You can use just the blank space on your paper there. How would you fill in in two words before and after in your own life's experience? We'll get to the opportunity that we have to share your life story and to get some help from your Ohana group leader
But um, I want to move to the third thing. After stories are powerful and after really believing that my own personal story is powerful, I'd like you to write on the third line, his story is mighty powerful. His story is mighty powerful. I'm talking about trying to find a simple and brief and meaningful way to tell Jesus' story of what he did to meet our needs. You've seen this before. Pastor Ron has has drawn it on the back of a napkin for us. And I think a lot of you already know this, but I'm going to need some help with it. So this was a surprise to you too. I didn't warn you, but Gina and Rand, would you come up? Would the Watermills please come up and stand, stand here? <laughs> I have friendship capital with these two. I've known them a really long time. Give them some encouragement, you know. In, in talking uh, about Jesus, how would we, in the most simple terms possible, after hearing our new friend's story, after sharing our story, what if she or he says, well, tell me more about this Jesus. How did you come to believe in him? Just show them the bridge diagram. I'm going to just label it. Think of us being here, separated by a wide distance from God. God feels very far away to most people, and did to me for my first 16 years. Um, Try as people might. Here's a running figure trying to run and please God and be good enough for God, wanting to jump the distance between here and there. But it's impossible. God's perfect and we're not. None of us can be good enough for God. No Buddhist can follow the Eightfold Path of Righteousness with perfection. No Muslim can practice the Five Pillars of Islam to perfection. God is perfect and we're not. None of us can make it. Take the, the goodest people that we've ever heard about. How about MT, Mother Teresa? Where does Martin Luther come, Ron? Is he closer to God or not? As cl- oh, he, you're saying right here? Okay, we'll put Martin Luther. Um, probably less... Uh, Less strong morally than Martin Luther, I'll just put R.A., but I I won't mention who. (laughs) Hey, the one who trips on the rock and goes right down here, that's J.J. right there. Okay, take the microphone and the thing. I want both of you to put your initials on, on this about... How far you think? How far you think you would get? And talk about it. Go ahead. How about that? 
farther behind. Um, yeah, no, no further than anybody else. Probably, oh, boy, by this way. Here, pass that over and you stand here with me. I think I'd be somewhere over here. I would have tripped <laughs> and fallen right here without God. Um, you're, you're not as good as I am, <laughs> but you're better than Rand. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, wait, no, don't go because I want you to just finish the. I want you to finish the diagram before I close in prayer. I mean, this is a dilemma. This is a terrible problem. None of us are good enough to get to God. We can't bridge that chasm. So, what needs to happen? We need Jesus. I mean, that's the simplest thing. We need the cross. We need forgiveness. We need his hope. We need everything that the Bible teaches us to be able to walk across and get to God. And he's the only way. I mean, I know everybody, a lot of different um, faiths try to say different things, but really the Bible tells us we need Jesus. He's the bridge to God. The really exciting thing is that the cross and the bridge is that God came this way to get us. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say. We don't walk that bridge alone. He comes all the way to us and takes us there. He comes to us. That's Christmas. He dies for us. That's Easter. And so that's why Ren drew the cross. Hey, give him a really big hand. That was... I could have called any of you up to help me with that, but please bow your heads and let's just pray. Oh, Jesus, you are so real, and you have made the hugest difference in our lives. And I want to thank you for people who have known you for decades, but I pray that they can still remember how desperate and desolate they were before they knew you. And what a difference you've made in their lives so that they can simply tell their story to someone who wants to hear it. I pray for the new believers. I just talked to a man who just got baptized at age 90. Wow. Ama amazing. What a, what a story. He's got a story. And I pray that the new believers can tell the story of the changes you've made in their lives with great enthusiasm. And then, Lord, I'll bet you there are, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't bet with God. Uh, Lord, I feel that there might be some people here this morning that are still lost in their before and haven't really gotten clear how much you love them and all that you've done for them, how by grace, they can be saved through faith, not because of their own doing, but it's your gift, not because of our works, so that we can't even boast about it, but that your salvation is a gift for that person here this morning. And maybe today is the day of crossing that bridge and, 
having a, a story to tell about the difference you've made in their life. Please bless us deeply so that we can be your blessing to others. Amen.